This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 112 from the Subway to Shea studios in my office. Huge thank you going out to Nick Durst, who was my guest last week. He is the host of the revamped Believe in the Mets podcast. Make sure to check out Nick and the podcast at Nick underscore Durst and at Believe in the Mets. Catch his podcast wherever you listen and subscribe to all of your podcasts. Now, on to today's show, and it's been very newsworthy time for the New York Mets because they are officially in sell mode. That's right, sell, sell, sell. Here to break down everything that's been going on is Pat Regazzo. Pat is the Mets beat writer for Fan Nation on SI.com. You can follow Pat on Twitter or X now that it's called X or wherever you want to call it, at Regazzo Report. Pat, it's been a crazy crazy 72 hours and i can only assume that it will get even crazier how are you my friend i'm great anthony thanks so much for having me on and uh yeah these last 72 hours have been crazy and it all started with the david robertson trade uh the other night and then uh of course the surprise yesterday when it seemed like justin verlander was going to be the one who was going to get dealt obviously the highest value is pitching the best uh you know as of late and this season overall and um instead the mets wound up trading max scherzer and a good bit of salary to the Texas Rangers for uh, a you know a high end prospect and uh, Ronald Acuna's baby brother uh, Luis Ange- Angel. Uh, or Angel, however you pronounce it, but um, but yeah, uh, the Mets have been active, and it seems like they're going they're going to continue to do so in in the next two days. Well, I want to get a little deeper with you into the both of those uh, trades. First, I want to start off with you know the comments that came out uh, on Sunday with Billy Epler. Uh, he addressed the media, and he said, I think the most important thing that he said that was, I do want to be clear that this is not a rebuild. It's not a fire sale. It's not a liquidation. This is just. Re- repurposing of Steve's investment in the club. You know, anytime I hear an Epler press conference, he's very wordy. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not one of those guys that really kind of trust Billy Epler just yet. I do agree that this is not a rebuild and that they are repurposing Steve's investment in the club. But by trading Max Scherzer and David Peterson, this is a fire sale. I mean, come on. It has to like that. That's the only way that it could possibly be taking this. What did you make of Billy's comments? Well, yeah, I mean, Billy, you know, came out and said that they want to still compete for 2024, but they're not going to be, they're not going to have the same expectations going into next season as they did going into this season or even going into 2022. Uh, And that tells you that they're not going to go buck wild in free agency again. Uh, Billy said it 
Steve Cohen said it, they don't want to build this team through free agency, which is true. I mean, you don't build a World Series contender through free agency. Uh, you know, the Mets essentially have been covering up holes that they've had on their roster and in their farm system. And uh, I think that's why they're doing the right thing right now in, you know, replenishing the, the farm and getting, you know, some of these top prospects in, uh, you know, getting rid of their guys, you know, whether it be on expiring contracts or obviously their aces uh, who bring in, you know, a lot of value. Um, you know, they they have to replenish the farm system. Um, and the farm looks a lot better than it did when, you know, when Steve Cohen bought the team. Um, you know, even this year, the Mets have developed uh, some pretty good pitching prospects, whether it be Tyler Stewart or Mike Vassell. Um, they, they've, you know, they've, they've come a long way from where they were in the past couple of years. So um, what I make of Billy's comments, though, is just that, uh, you know, they're the Mets are going to make moves. They're going to spend, but they're not going to spend like drunken sailors like they did this past year. And and it shows that, uh, you know, uh, no matter how much money you spend, it doesn't necessarily buy wins. Uh, and that's that's been the truth with this this Mets team this year. They they had the highest payroll of all time. And, uh, you know, it didn't equate to a winning season and it failed. So um, I would be very shocked that they're going to do the same formula next year. But at the same time, they are going to put a competitive team on the field. And they do have, a lot of contracts coming off the books, right? Uh, obviously, they're they're only going to be paying a certain amount for Scherzer because Texas is picking up some of it. Um, Can is off the books. Escobar's off the books. Robinson Cano, uh, he's finally going to be off the books. So they are going to have money to spend. It's just that they're not going to, you know, like you said, spend like drunken sailors. Um, with all those contracts off the books at the end of the season and Steve's resources that he has, uh, do you see them making maybe one or two moves in free agency to, you know, because if they even trade Justin Verlander, you're talking about now, and also not to mention Carlos Carrasco will be gone at the end of the season. Now you only have two pitchers in the starting rotation, which is Senga and you'll have Quintana. So unless they're going to bring up uh, Dominic Hamill, or Mike Vasile, maybe give Peterson another shot, McGill another shot. I don't know how competitive they can be next year if they don't, you know, dabble somewhat into the starting pitcher market uh, or, you know, they're going to have to get a bench a little more of the bullpen since they got rid of Robertson. They could possibly bring him back as well. So where do you see them stand? Uh, I know it's a little early, but where do you see them kind of from what you're gauging where they stand going into the offseason? It's more of a reason to keep Verlander. Because you're not going to get, unless you go out and sign Otani, you're not going to get an ace in to replace Verlander next year. Or, you know, or you already lost Scherzer. And uh, if, you, if you get rid of Verlander, then your, your ace is Sanga. Uh, you're not necessarily, there's some good options available. And I think they could target guys like, you know, whether it be a Julio Urias, Jordan Montgomery, Lucas Giolito, um, you know, Jack Flaherty, there's, there's a number of names out there who uh, could help fill their holes in the rotation, but no one necessarily that screams, you know, number one starter, uh, you know, beyond Otani. So um, yeah, I think that the Mets would be better off hanging on to Verlander for another year and, uh, you know, signing one of those free agent starters who's available and, and filling those holes there because, um, you know, David Peterson was given his opportunity this year. He came off, he had a very solid season last 
last year in an undefined role where he was up, he was down, he was up, he was down. Um, but then this year, it just his slider wasn't there, his mechanics were off, his he just didn't rise to the occasion when he was given the opportunity when Jose Quintana got hurt. So you can't rely on Peterson, you can't rely on Tyler McGill, who has really struggled since they sent him down to the minor leagues. Um, and you know, you do have guys like Dominic Hamill coming up, Vassal, um, you know, Tyler Stewart. Uh, the, you you have those guys on the way, but they're still probably not going to be ready by the beginning of next season. So they are going to have to utilize free agency to kind of fill some of those holes in the rotation as they did this past year. Um, but but they're not again, they're not going to find an ace, um, you know, in in the free agent market. Um, and, and that's why it would be smart uh, to hang on to Verlander. And let's talk about the surprise trade, you know, the Max Scherzer, the whole ordeal. You know, I was at the game yesterday and I just like lost the battle on my phone keep scrolling to seeing what was going to happen next with the whole Verlander situation is he gonna you know opt in with Texas is he gonna waive his no trade clause it ended up all you know working out uh, obviously he goes to the Texas Rangers he's opting in 2024 with Texas the Mets will pay 35 million of Scherzer's salary through the end of 2024 and the Rangers are picking up 22.5 million uh, you mentioned Mets getting Luis and Hel Acuna which is the little brother of brave superstar Ronald Lacuna Jr. He plays second base shortstop, and I think he does play a little bit of center field from uh, what I was reading. Billy says he's going to play uh, shortstop when he goes to double A Binghamton, at least to start uh, on MLB pipeline. He was ranked third in the Rangers farm system will now be second behind Parada on the Mets top 10. Joe DeMeo, Michael Mayer have him as the Mets top prospect. Uh, I've been hesitant to trust Billy in these trades, but it, it seems that the Mets fared very well on this one and they did very well. Do you like this trade pad? What grade do you give the Mets for this trade? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the Mets probably could get, you know, maybe a, a B plus or an, even an A minus for this trade. Um, they spent a lot of money there, $35 million, um, but they got a high-end prospect back. A guy who, like you said, was the number three ranked prospect in the Rangers system in a very good system and number 44 overall in MLB Pipeline's top 100. So... Um, this is for an aging Scherzer who looked like his stuff and his skills had kind of diminished this year. Very inconsistent. Um, so yeah, I, I do really like this return and um, I, I, I really like this trade and I, I would give them probably an A minus to a B plus. Um, and, and like, you know, some of these prospect experts have already said, they, they're ranking him number one in the Mets system already. So you, you got your best prospect uh, for an aging pitcher uh, with one more year on his deal um who you know who had honestly struggled this year so uh so yeah i do i do really like this trade uh you know the mets this is where steve cohen comes in handy that he was willing to pay 35 million dollars to get a better prospect um you know it, it's it, it really you know has helped tremendously and it was a crazy 24 hours for the mets uh, maybe you can even go 48 hours because the mets won the the opener against the nationals yeah they had that little rain delay david robertson was getting ready in the bullpen they pull him out we find out he got traded uh, to Miami which we're going to get into a little bit later and then Scherzer pitches the next night 
and he makes you know a whole set of comments about you know talking to the front office see where everything's going to end up and right after that you know the next day he's traded do you think max's comments the night before set this trade into motion or was this something that possibly could have been in the works because we all been hearing about justin verlander no talk of max scherzer whatsoever so the fact that you know max came out kind of spoke openly and then the next day he's traded to texas did that kind of just set things in motion or was it already in play from my understanding it was already in play that this was this trade was in the works for for a number of days um it just we we all we heard was about justin verlander and obviously he had you know the higher value and the mets are valuing him higher which his price tag is uh you know andy martino was reporting tonight that he might not get traded because the mets are uh are valuing him very high but um you know max scherzer still is a future hall of famer he has had some good start some really good starts this year he's had some bad starts um he's you know he's been inconsistent but he's he is still max scherzer um you know this this trade was in the works for a number of days and um and and yeah his his comments it sounded like he was you know he was preparing himself to be traded he kind of knew that something you know anything could happen um and yeah obviously the mets uh the mets wound up dealing scherzer not verlander and uh and getting a really good prospect in return and max finishes uh finishes his tenure a year and a half after he signs that contract 20 and 9 with the 3.02 era 42 starts Uh, it was a necessary move that the mets needed to make kind of just just change the outlook of you know how the Mets were perceived uh, for such a long time and very promising start for Scherzer but he could never really get this team over the hump and a lot of the big starts uh, two big ones at the end of the season you talk about the last series against um, Atlanta and then the postseason against San Diego but then even this year and you know it was early in the season but anytime the Mets needed to stop a losing streak, or just gain some momentum. It it seemed like Scherzer couldn't rise to the occasion. There were a couple of starts where he would get a big lead and, you know, somehow blow it. I, I was at uh, City Field for the Subway Series, and he was given like a 6-1 to one lead. He couldn't hold it. I mean, he, he was struggling. And there was a couple of starts like that. The last start in Boston. Well, it yeah. wasn't his last start. The last start was against Nationals. But that start in Boston, uh, that was a struggle for him as well. What do you make of Max's tenure here? with the New York Mets in such that short time his regular season was really good last year up until the end up until that brave start you know biggest start of his Mets tenure and uh and he came up small and then uh you know he started game one of the wild card against the Padres and he came up small again and um you know he did bring credibility to to the organization um kind of yeah he changed the perception like you said um but you know, an inconsistent second season and, uh, you know, a a poor end to his first season. Um, it it was a little disappointing his, his tenure as met, um, he's, you know, he had some good moments, he had some bad moments and, and the two biggest games of his, of his career, his met career, uh, you know, were, were ugly, obviously. So, uh, so yeah, so it was, it was a little disappointing, you know, his, his tenure as met, you know, Steve Geld made an interesting comment yesterday on SNY and, For the longest time all season, I would tweet out, you know, something's off. I don't know what it is, but something just doesn't feel right with this team. They they just don't seem connected together. And then you hear Steve Gale was saying that, you know, 
the clubhouse just wasn't right. Um, you get to be in the clubhouse, right? At, at like some points, right? Yeah, you're in there, you're reporting on them. Do you did you get that feeling when you were in there? Yeah, I mean, things haven't gone as planned this year. Um, a lot of the guys just aren't around in the clubhouse. You know, things aren't going well. You know, the guys they're they're not necessarily going to be hanging out by their lockers as much when the media is in there. It's just not. It's just the nature of sports. It's it's kind of how it goes. When the team's winning, they'll usually be out there, and when the team's not not doing well, then they're not going to be around. Um, and yeah, it was you could tell just by the way the team performed you know the, their comments their attitudes something was different this year something was different they essentially seemed like they brought back a similar team and coaching staff and it just it wasn't the same something was off this year and it, you know whether it be chemistry uh you know leadership it's it maybe all of the above it, it just it wasn't um it, it wasn't the same as last year obviously some something was different and you know they're, they're missing edwin diaz he was a big part of that clubhouse you know you get trade escobar and he was kind of like a an emotional type of leader and guy who would bring everyone together but you know you every time you go into to post game and you see the interviews from tv from my perspective it's always Lindor talking or you know they go into Pete and you know not and, and Nimmo too and not like everyone not everyone is like into it and I get it like obviously there is going to be a difference when you're losing you're not going to be excited you're not going to be happy about it but yeah, it just the play was different on the field. Their defense was different. They weren't making the smart moves they used to make last season when we thought that, you know, hiring Buck was such a big deal. And, you know, even Buck feels different. It's so, so frustrating to see with this team, the struggles, considering that, you know, most of the roster, like you said, did come back. And, uh, you know, I hope that they're able to, you know, infuse a little bit different, maybe a, a lot younger players and, and change this up as we go into 2024 maybe now we can see the kids get more playing time obviously vientos has been you know he played third base yesterday and he's been getting a couple games so hopefully we see a little bit of the change once again i'm here with pat regazzo mets beat writer for fan nation on si.com we just talked about max's comments which were in response to the trade of david robertson robertson was traded to the miami marlins following the uh, opener against the nationals on thursday finished his season with the mets four and two with a 2.05 era 14 saves and 44 innings uh, i initially did not want to trade robertson maybe it's for selfish reasons i've been a huge fan of david robertson ever since he was in the yankees i thought he's been one of the more consistent relievers even if you check out his baseball reference, consistently three, two ERAs, you know, and, and relievers, they're like Jekyll and Hyde. Like one year they could be good, next year they could be bad. I mean, we're seeing it with uh, uh, Adam Adovino. We've seen it with guys like Aaron Loop. So seeing someone this consistent, I, I didn't want to lose. And I, I did definitely wanted to see, and it's still possible. I mean, he could sign during free agency if, if you know, if the Mets are able to bring him back. But I, I definitely wanted to see that one-two tandem of Edwin Diaz and uh, David Robinson just didn't end up uh, working out. Uh, and you know what? He was probably going to be one of the higher priced items to get during the trade deadline and to get people from and then the Mets brought in uh, Marco Vargas uh, he's an infielder he plays second shortstop third he's 18 years old uh, they also got Ronald Hernandez who's a catcher 19 years old both are in the Florida Complex League uh, Vargas number seven in the Mets farm according to MLB pipeline uh, set for a 2027 debut so anything can happen from here to there Hernandez is number 18 in the Mets farm according to MLB pipeline and he is set for 2026 debut what did you think 
think of this trade and the young position players that the Mets got in return? If we're giving grades out for here for this trade, uh, I would say maybe maybe a C. Uh, I mean, these guys are rookie ball players. Um, now, Vargas went from being the number 18th ranked prospect in the Marlins system all the way to number seven for the Mets. And Hernandez um, was 21 with the Marlins, and now he's uh, 18 with the Mets. So, um why I give it a C grade is because, um, yeah, these guys have, have potential. They're pretty, de- you know, they're decent prospects, but they're very young, 18 and 19 years old. Uh, they have a lot of development, you know, left to go. And uh, when you look last year what the Chicago Cubs got for David Robertson from the Philadelphia Phillies, they got Ben Brown, you know, a top pitching prospect who was ranked number nine in the Philly system. So, uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, what the Cubs got for Robertson last year compared to what the Mets got from this year was kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a large gap. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't, I don't really love, um, you know, the return that the Mets got for, for Robertson. I think they could have done better. Yeah. You're one of a few people that I've heard to say this, that they're not a big fan of the return. And I, I understand too, with how young they are and how far away they are that Met fans, all of us want to see something that's more tangible, something that's more, more ready, uh, at least close, uh, especially what we saw, like you said, them, the Phillies getting a, you know, sending Ben Brown over in the trade. So one thing that I got to ask you, and you know, I don't, I don't follow the minor leagues as much as I probably should. And maybe this is a perfect time to, you know, start following it more and more. When you see someone go from 18 in another team's farm system, all the way to six into our farm system, is that more telling of our farm system that it's, that it's not as good to see someone that's all the way down there come all the way up to six. Yeah. And in some ways, um, you know, it, it shows the Marlins have a loaded system and uh, the Mets are still Mets have an improving system, but they're still a work in progress. Um, even last year, like that, like uh, I heard a lot of different things at the trade deadline last year. And, um, you know, the Mets were, you know, offering guys like Jose Buto and, um, Khalil Lee, who was ranked number seventh in their system last year. And, um, you know, Mark Vientos, like some of these guys, like they, they're ranked what, you know, they're ranked high in the Mets system, but they wouldn't rank very high in other teams, organizations, farm systems. And, uh, yeah, it kind of does speak to, uh, you know, where, where the Mets system is that, uh, you know, Vargas went from number 18 in the Marlins system all the way to number seven in the Mets system already. Um, you know, it's, I mean, the Mets are replenishing their system. That's what they're doing right now, trading these players and being sellers. But, um, but yeah, again, it does kind of speak volumes to, uh, to where things stand. The Mets farm sister was really in dire straits before, you know, Cohen took over and, the build has been a long while. I think they did very well in this year's draft and the last couple of drafts, and they're really starting to build. But this is a thing that could take, you know, years and years to get to a point where, you know, the Dodgers, how they're trading, you know, their their pieces away to get, you know, major league ready players. The Mets could take a while to do that. And, you know, if they do trade something to, you know, what Landa, let's just say, for instance, a Juan Soto, they're going to have to give up four or five pieces. I remember last year that Billy Epler said that he was not going to trade anyone in the top 20 of their own. And if you're not going to do that, 
I mean, you're not going to get anybody. So that's how, you know, they didn't end up with anybody. I always like to look when I do go on MLB Pipeline, as much as I see the Mets top 10, I'm always thinking, where are they placed in the top 100 or, you know, how long the list is of just Major League Baseball? And I think we got spoiled by seeing Francisco Alvarez at number one. And, you know, you go to see Brett Beatty and you think, oh, maybe he's the next guy. But Brett Beatty was around, what, 40, 50, around there. Vientos even lower. I think Ronnie Mauricio was higher than uh, Vientos. So the farm system has a lot of work to do still. Uh, and maybe they can do a little bit more. I don't know how much they're going to get unless they do trade Justin Verlander. So we'll get into that now. Uh, and what will the Mets do by the time we get to the trade deadline, which I think is 6 p.m. on Tuesday, correct? Yes, correct. All right. So the Mets obviously open for business. The names we've heard, Tommy Pham, Mark Canna, Justin Verlander. Those are the names I've heard so far. I I assume that a lot of other players are open as well. Daniel Vogelback, Adovino, Brooks Raley, who closed the game out on Sunday. Loaded question here. What are the chances of these guys getting traded uh could it be possible that they're all traded and is there anyone you are like yeah they won't be here 6 p.m on tuesday i mean it's possible that they could all be traded i don't know what value daniel vogelback has um he hasn't had a good year um but you know it's possible i i think adovino probably stays because he does have another year on his deal um brooks really it's possible that he gets traded and i think fam and canna probably will get traded at least one of them if not both um you know i heard that the Dodgers and the Twins have been, uh, you know, interested among, you know, among several teams who have called upon uh, those outfielders just depends on what you're going to get back. I mean, uh, from what I've been told, the Mets are looking for a lower minor league prospect for Canna. Um, I imagine they'd maybe get a little more for Tommy Pham based off the year he's having. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, if, if we're going to say definitely, I'd say one of Canna or Pham probably will not be here by uh, the trade deadline. And you're starting to see some of these prospects move up. I think Jet Williams moved up today. Uh, Blade Tidwell moved up yesterday. So I assume that, you know, getting these type of players like they did in the Robertson deal is very much in play with guys like a Tommy fan. Maybe they only get one out of it, but I feel like they can get some of those type of players. You're not going to get a uh, Acuna uh, top three player because, you know, Max Scherzer is a whole different animal. If you trade Justin Verlander, it might work out that way. Um, but I don't see them doing that with uh, the three that are we just talked about, a uh, Fam and Canna and uh, Brooks Raley possibly. But uh, you mentioned earlier about the Mets keeping Verlander on board just for you know, this, the, the point of they're going to need rotation pieces for next season. But for you, uh, would you trade Verlander now that Scherzer's gone because of the pieces? Or do you want to keep him, like you mentioned earlier, because this team needs a rotation next season? If you want to compete next season, I, I think that uh, you're better off keeping him. Uh, you would have to be totally blown away. Uh, I think to, to have to trade Verlander at this point, um, now that you got rid of Scherzer. Um, but but yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a tough call because you, you know, you could get, um, you could potentially get back, you know, a, a pretty big haul for Verlander, you know, given his performance right now. What would it take to, for you to okay that deal for Verlander? Are we talking, uh, obviously the Mets are going to have to pay money if they're going to get, you know, these prospects. So are you looking at just one player like in the Scherzer deal, or do you want multiple in the top five? How would you play that out if you want to trade Verlander? I would say probably one in the top five, one in the top 10. 
All right. <laughs> That's going to be what it's going to have to take uh, to get more to fill this farm system. Then that's what it's got to be. But I, I am with keeping Verlander because, you know, th- this this team is going to have to be somewhat competitive and they're not going to go out and spend crazy on, you know, Urias, Snell, those guys. So we'll see what the Mets do as we get closer and closer to that 6 p.m. deadline on Tuesday for the MLB trade deadline. Pat, thanks for uh, you know taking the time to join the show. I know it's very busy for you and with the trade deadline and everything. So I really appreciate it. Let everyone know uh, what you're working on oh, for the next week and you know moving forward. Of course. Well, thanks so much for having me. And um, you can check out my work at InsideTheMets.com. Uh, I will be working on trade deadline rumors and trades and all full coverage over the next couple days so uh, be sure to follow along there pat i appreciate you as always and uh definitely gonna have you on again it's always a fun conversation with you my friend you take care thanks so much take care all right that was pat ragazzo mets beat writer for fan nation on si.com that's gonna wrap up the subway to shea podcast this week you can follow on twitter instagram and tiktok at subway to shea listen subscribe to the subway to shea podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of subway to shea you can rate the show and leave comments for me to review subway to shea is also on youtube make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can get all the notifications and updates from my channel you can also leave comments and a huge thumbs up if you enjoy or thumbs down if you didn't enjoy but i i want to know how to make the channel better and how to make everything better so the more thumbs up is helpful but i love your comments as well don't forget to follow my work for rising apple rising apples a new york mets site on the fan sided network you can read my articles by going to risingapple.com make sure to follow rising apple on twitter at rising apple blog and the fan sided network at fan sided thank you everyone for tuning in for anthony rivera this is the subway to shea podcast we